passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The time is now! And it is official! Here we go! Bobby Lashley cannot believe it! catching in his money in the big contract! Bobby Lashley is... It's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. And we are live. Welcome everybody to rewind a raw. I am John Pollock. And I'm not joined by Waiting, the man who certainly knows after all the Raws he has sat through, he sure knows the weeks to take off. And sitting in for him tonight, the one and only Andrew Thompson, who is here with us. Andrew, how are you tonight? It is, it is a beautiful, beautiful night, John Pollock. I am uh, thrilled. I, I, I absolutely thrilled right now, man. The biggest, biggest smile on my face. You, can, you, you, you can't fake this, man. <laughs> I got, I could tell that Andrew was about two minutes behind the live feed because at about uh, like just after 11 PM, I got like the all caps text and Andrew was raring to go. So uh, I'm really glad that we have you to, to chat about because, you know, this, you know, it was obviously a big, a big addition of raw for the company coming off of the fact that last week, you know, we knew Monday night football was coming, but I think Andrew, you can certainly look at the fact that at AEW's number last week. I think that you, you have to look at all those different factors of what produced tonight's show and pulling the, the ultimate uh, switch in changing the title from Bobby Lashley to Big E and doing something very monumental to go off the show and create a big buzz that is going to come out of Raw. And that there are not too many weeks that we have that at the end of a Raw, where I think you have a really engaged audience to see where this goes. Yeah, I, I definitely think like, I, I know there was like a lot of um, conversation like on Twitter about um like w- whether they should have announced this or not like I mean obviously I-, I think the thing was them having the return of Monday Night Football and that was obviously gonna have an impact on the ratings like regardless of whether they announced this or not and I'm I'm kind of like I- I've never been the one to like be that quite interested in the- in the numbers but I am interested to see uh how the numbers turn out tomorrow for this but man like I, I think it was a smart move to have Biggie announce this uh when-, when he announced it like around one one p.m. right one p.m. Eastern. Yeah, 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 like the, yeah, midday that yeah. he put it out there. And the, I, I think a lot of people, I, I, I don't think this is the case where WWE has necessarily built up 
that trust in its audience right. that they were going to pay it off. But I think this is one of those kind of paying it forward moments where they teased it. And if you got hooked in, you got the payoff at the end of the night. So it's mm-hmm. one of those, I think you leave with uh, WWE having some good faith in terms of what they teased and ultimately delivering it and not just being a swerve just to build up a number and hold you to the end of the show. Yeah, it was definitely one of those um, circumstances. Like I, I, that was like one of my concerns sort of going into the day as well. Like I was like, oh man, I, I hope they don't do the whole bait and switch and like, you know, give us some, 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 some whack finish to where like, they were like, oh, we're going to get the rematch next week or at, at a future pay-per-view or something like that. But they, like they 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 have a track record of having these situations to where you know they they tell you something and then like it's like the most obvious thing to do and then they don't do it and it's like okay now and then you had that situation throughout the like all day i've seen so many people man they were like it's no way they actually go through with it it's like that that's just what they do they like have like programmed or sort of gotten their audience used to being let down in certain situations like this so it was actually good to see them follow through on something and and it it was a it was a great moment man so since this is uh front of mind for everybody uh with the biggie discussion we're gonna go a bit backwards today i think we should just start off with with the news and uh, beginning with biggie we'll go through raw and then take some of your feedback and then we'll tee up what is coming up uh, this week on the site. But I do want to make mention that our G1 contest, it's open now. You can go to postwrestling.com slash G1 to make all of your picks. It's free to enter. You can make your predictions for every single G1 match. And the deadline is this Friday at midnight Eastern before the first G1 show kicks off at about 4 a.m. on Saturday morning. So it's free to enter. We'll be keeping tally of all of the points throughout the G1 over the next month plus, and then announcing the top point earners uh, after the October 21st final. So postwrestling.com backslash G1 to go enter now. In terms of the execution tonight, Andrew, how did you think that the the cash-in uh, was played up? Like this was, they established Biggie being there in the first segment. They had him in multiple segments on the show in terms of the actual execution of the cash-in. Uh, and also having like the celebration at the end, how did you think it all came together for this big moment in the final segment? So, so of course, if I was putting this together, I think we all could pretty much agree. You pro- probably wouldn't have went the commercial break, <laughs> like, like right, right after he came out and then had the crowd sitting there for that, for that whole uh, bit of time that, that we were on commercial break. But like, I, I felt like the way that it was executed, it, it, it was fine. Like I didn't have any problems with it whatsoever. Like I felt like they were just trying to build gradually throughout the show and sort of, have the idea that Randy Orton could walk away with the title and not get cashed in on or possibly could get cashed in on and the same thing with Bobby Lashley. And then of course you got the, the, the factor of Big E. So I think they tried to like factor in as many, as many possible outcomes as they could to sort of swerve the audience from what was the obvious and correct decision. Yeah. I think that it it's certainly one of those title changes that I, I think people are naturally going to jump to the conclusion that this is going to be just a quick title run for Big E. I think it, I think it has to be a real title run yes. for this guy. Like there, there are not too many of these people, Andrew, that have been built up that are at this level that can make that lunge forward into the main event. And whether you think the timing was right or not, that was a fantastic moment at the end of the show. And you just have to go all the way. And I think the Big E, it's like you're putting everything on his shoulders Let's run with it. Let's see what momentum this can create because this is 
this company needs some buzz and they need it with some talent that are going to be your everyday performers. And that is what Biggie is. It's, it's his time now. And I think that this cannot just be a case that he drops it back to Lashley or another heel at extreme rules. I would think coming out of this, the rematch, you have the logical reason for Lashley not being prepared and that can be your, your pay-per-view match. Yeah. um, 100% man. Like I I definitely think that this is a situation of where, this should not be some type of like hot shot deal with Biggie. Like Biggie is well, you you can just tell he's one of the most beloved members on the roster. They're seeing like the amount of support that came out his way, like immediately soon the title change happened. You see his fellow talent, you see people from other companies going crazy for him. Dude is legitimately one of the most lovable pe- people that that we've seen in in, in wrestling, man. Like and, and it was just it was a great moment to see. Of course, like I, I, it was so very, very special, like immediately hit me like knowing that that's the fourth black WWE champion in history. And I don't even know how many years this company's been going on, man, but it, he joins the the rock Kofi Kingston. And of course the former champion, Bobby Lashley, that was a very, very special moment, man, for a lot of people, including myself. And I, 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 I was just very, very, very happy to see it happen. Like I've, I've had the chance to see all four of those dudes wrestle and all four of those dudes win the world title. So it's, it was, it was one of those moments here for me, a little, maybe, maybe a little teardrop dropped out just a little bit, maybe a little bit, but I, I was, I'm extremely excited and proud for Biggie, man. Like this, like you said, he's one of the hardest workers out there. Like one, one of the, like the, the, I think the only thing that really concerns people is like with a sort of like, with does Goldberg fit in the mix? Cause you would assume that it's probably going to be some miss in that, at that Saudi show that they announced. You would think like, oh that's my probably, goodness. Are yeah. you, is Saudi Arabia going to get big meaty men? Yeah, yes. Meat? Yeah. <laughs> that's, oh this, my this, goodness. This, this is, this is what the people need. The people need this. Like I, I'm, I'm like, I, I, I don't think that they, I, I hope that they wouldn't, you know, do the whole I don't think so thing. Andrew because yeah. n- number one we know that Goldberg mentioned that knee surgery that he's got yeah and yep. number two this kind of clears the way for Goldberg and Lashley to do their program that does not need a title like you don't need to have the championship involved I think Goldberg not being involved in the title program is actually more beneficial Effective. for him now mm-hmm. and you can just do it as the straight up grudge match whether MVP and Gage are involved do whatever you need, but the deck is kind of cleared now where the championships are on Big E. And if they play their cards right, I think like you could even get, you know, Big E getting some some kind of association as well with Goldberg um, that could actually work because there is, I think, that that legitimate like uh, like mentor kind of role that you could have yeah. with, with a Goldberg to transfer some of that to a, a Big E as well. Like I think there's there's some options that could be played there. Yeah, and and the thing with this is like now that we have this great moment with Big E as WWE champion, like I mentioned, the fourth Black WWE champion. I'm probably gonna mention that quite a few times. I'm like, I'm 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 ecstatic to see this dude get this win, man. But um, like I the the thing is about it now, you got to follow up on it with a a great reign. Like I just saw somebody in the chat mention um Big E versus Roman as Survivor Series. I think that's gonna be a a, a massive match. I think that's gonna be at the Barclays this year, so that, that's mm-hmm. gonna be a cool one to see. Uh, but like the thing is, like we we we've seen this countless times as far as like um the main roster goes, and you have that WWE bro they they have they they don't have an issue with building and making these moments. It's the follow up that kind of gets me, and like some of the lackluster title reigns. I don't I, I want Big E to be treated with the same reverence and with the same 
sort of carefulness how they protect Roman Reigns. And I know some people might maybe might scoff at that and be like, well, you know, Biggie and Roman Reigns, they're two different people. I'm like, the, the thing is, it like, bro, it, it's it's like this simple, bro. It's professional wrestling. You can literally make anybody a star and present anybody as a star. All you gotta like, all you gotta do is just present them as such. The people will believe if you present such individual as a star. Like, I feel like the the simple thing to do is just line up credible challenges for Biggie. Do not go the same route of like trying to throw at him a a, a Baron Corbin or a Dolph Ziggler or any guy within that same sort of realm line up credible people for them and why you lining up those people you line up the next person and just keep them in in these sort of like and they say they got to be delicate stories man but treat him as he is your world champion don't treat him like oh he's the other champion that's the other guy you got to treat him as he's your wwe champion like i i like the first thing that come to my mind i, w- I honestly wouldn't mind like I know Seamus probably might be coming off a loss at the Extreme Rules show against Damian Priest, but I wouldn't mind the Seamus Big E program to kick off his run. I know they could get some good matches out of each other. And while you're trying to figure out who's next up, that, that's why you do that. Get two, maybe three matches out of Big E and Seamus because I know they would probably do really well together. And then while you're in the middle of figuring that out, you build up the next person. Like, I just don't want this to be some type of like lackluster title reign where it's just like, oh yeah, he got the big moment and he got to celebrate with his friends and he got the, you know, very special moment. And then now it's just like, oh, well, we just, you no, know, it's it's we, we just sort of riding the wave until you know until we find the next title holder. I don't want that. I want this to be a legit title run. Treat this guy with some of the like so the, the the respect that he deserves, and you know treat treat him like he is one of your main guys, in which he he in fact is. So Andrew, the question that's got to be on every listener's mind right now that is an avid listener of the NWA podcast is there might be some confidentiality clause here that you cannot uh, breach, but what is the NWA secret chat messages looking like tonight? I mean, this has to be just uh, a very active text thread that is currently going on as we speak. A a lot of people are very, very happy. I I definitely can read this. There are a bunch of messages. A lot of people are very, very happy. Including uh, the good man, Nate, as we all know. Shout out to Uncle Nate. And Chris, are you getting the sense like there was this was completely out of left field? Like even where it was built up all day, that this was a total shock. You you, you want to know what it? No, you you want to know what it wasn't because I, I don't know if you peeped it, but on Friday I, I had put it in the SmackDown notes. Biggie said that he was going to be on Raw. He did, yeah, he, he did. He, he did it, throw in that that line on it, uh, on Friday. Yes, it, it, it say, and I, I don't think a lot of people caught it because I don't think a lot of people were talking about it. I was like, he lit, like he literally said, like in his promo, he was like, "I'm going to be on Raw," and like I didn't see anybody talking about. It. I was like, Did anybody hear what he just said? And like that, that's when like the wheels started spinning for me. Like, and of course, like I was, I wasn't putting as much stock into it then as I was early today when he said that he literally was going to cash in. But like once he said that on after his promo on SmackDown, I was like that's different and like i like of course when he tweeted out the thing today i was like okay this, we got a, we got a 50 50 shot now that it's probably gonna happen or it's not gonna happen it was it's quite an amazing day because i don't i I'm, I'm saying this to you which i i i'm just saying generally i would imagine some people maybe have not had the chance to listen to this you mm-hmm. on the other hand have probably heard everything and today's new day podcast i think is an absolute must listen and it is it features, you know, a very, the entire episode is dedicated to discussing, you know, mental health issues in light of Daphne's recent passing and mm-hmm. Biggie just bearing his soul on this podcast. Um, Xavier Woods also sharing his experiences, Kofi talking about just, you know, 
pr- providing guidance for like other people on the roster. It's an unbelievable episode, but to hear Biggie in his own words um, describe like what he has been through, um, it's just uh, it's a remarkable story and amazing that somebody would be uh, willing to be so open because you know how it can be, Andrew, when you're you're bearing your soul like that to you know people out there. That right. I mean, it it does take kind of a lot of. Uh, of an ability to put yourself out there in such a for public sure. forum. And I applaud him for doing so. It, it's just, it's a riveting episode to hear. Yeah. The, uh, John Cena had actually messaged me a little, like I say, a couple hours ago and sort of like gave me some like the key point. Cause I didn't get a chance to listen to it, but I like, I heard it like a good, good, lot of, a lot of good things about it. And they touched on some, some, some very serious uh, subjects throughout the, throughout the whole podcast, man. And just from what I'm hearing, like from exactly what you said is, it, like I, I think we all like all of us have like our own mental struggles and we have those days when we just kind of down I have them you know we all have them and it's a very it, it's a serious thing man but I think a lot of people you just got to realize that th- there is somebody somebody I promise you there is somebody out there that's, that'll listen to you and you know take it all in and you know give you sort of be that shoulder for you to lean on like you know I got a couple people in my life that I can rely on if I'm having a down day or you know I'm feeling like just, you know, down in the dumps or, you know, having just a a, a struggle of a mental day. And like, it, it, I think it's, it, it's very, it, it, it I, I don't want to say, like, I don't want to compare anybody else's mental struggles to anybody else's, but like when you see somebody who's on uh national television on a weekly basis and they have all this fame and notoriety and then to see them come out and, you know, share these experiences, like, it's like, oh, you know, it, I, I think for some people, it sort of gives them that feeling of like, oh, you know, they're just regular people just like us. And they go through these struggles and they have these down moments and it make, makes people more relatable. And unfortunate as it may be to have that relation in in that type of manner, I still think it is a good thing to have those discussions. And, you know, kudos to New Day for for opening the door up to, you know, to having that conversation and sort of inviting their listeners to, to sort of join in on that. And of course, um, Daphne's passing was uh, for that I was for sure sad, like. Is that that is it's like one of those weird things, man? Like I I felt like just over the past two years, like it's, it's it's just one of those things that's just real hard to process. Like just losing people in general, like whether it be personal or you know you're seeing uh p- people that you have known through social media or like a- anything of the sort, man. Just seeing people lose people, it is some um, difficult to process. And uh yeah, I'm I'm glad that they opened the door for that, and and you know they just you know a bit bit their souls, like you said, and and you know um. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's it's certainly worth worth the time to uh, listen to. I think anyone can get a whole lot out of this uh, this hour plus discussion that that they have, and also had a guest come on as well to uh, to talk about everything. Uh, we're, we will come back to uh, this when we get through the uh, review of Raw, but we also have well, we will have another new champion on Tuesday night because the NXT Championship is going to be decided on Sunday Oof. night. Samoa Joe puts up a video this just comes out of nowhere stating that WWE medical uh, wants him to take a a brief period of time off due to certain injuries. He did not elaborate on what the injuries are or what the timeframe is, but on Tuesday or sorry, on Monday, they put out the announcement that the fatal four way on Tuesday night's live edition of NXT will crown the new champion with Tommaso Ciampa, Kyle O'Reilly, Pete Dunne and LA Knight. And perhaps we will get some kind of update Regarding Samoa Joe, I think there's still a lot of questions attached to that. But I mean, in the the video that he posted, I mean, it certainly did indicate that 
it's not going to be a long time. And he was already like cutting promos for whoever wins the title. I'm coming for you, but it looks like they want to have this big championship match on Tuesday and go off the air, similar to tonight's show where you will have a new champion. I was actually, I was going to ask you, John, I was like, what, what, like, do you, I'm, I, I'm not going cause I mean, Joe has had uh, his fair share of injuries. Like yep. that's no, you know, yep. thing, but th- this was like, so, random like and I, was, I was actually gonna ask you like I remember I had that um written down in my notes I was like so so like what, what do you kind of like think about the whole like hit like because like you said it came out of left field and like I remember when that popped up on my feed on Sunday I was like okay like of course I hope Joe gets better but that was just like like a whole a whole thing right there I mean it's like he hasn't done any wrestling since the one takeover match with, with yeah. Cross a couple of weeks ago so I mean like it's pure speculation, but I would guess that if there was some kind of issue, like the way it was worded was that it does not sound like it's something that's going to take him out for any significant period of time, but they very well may have felt that with NXT, with this whole new relaunch of NXT, that they want to do something big with the title immediately. And therefore they don't want to wait a couple of weeks or it might be not even a definitive period of time that they know when Joe will be cleared that they just want to have that title to do whatever plans that they have and have that title in circulation. But it's, I mean, it's just, it's a surprising one because it just yeah. it totally came out of nowhere. Who, who, who would, who would you run with? Like who you think is the smartest pick to like, sort of, you know, take the reins as, as an, as an AC champion. So I'd look at it that if it is Pete Dunn, I think that would be as strong a, determining factor of Dunn's status with the company that Mm. if he is winning this um i mean i get like o'reilly and champa i guess you could you could go with either of them i don't see la knight winning this (laughs) so you know i'd I'd kind of look at like Dunn. i mean the big asterisk is just um you know determining his status but i think i I think there's a fairly decent chance that that he wins this hey hey, john let, let me ask you something do you think Kyle O'Reilly's singles run is like clicking 100%? Like it, it feels like I like I, I can get into it, but it's just like I don't know if it's like NXT title. Like I like I, I don't know if that's just me, but it's just like it, it, it. Even when he was still doing the stuff with Adam Cole, Adam Cole always felt like that guy. It and even though Kyle was getting wins over him, even the defeat, Cole still felt like like that guy i think with kyle o'reilly i think like it's a personality that they're very much trying to really hone in on and develop i thought kyle a lot of his like i i found like there were comedic elements that were were there but he Mm. plays he played off of the other so well that it worked in that kind of dynamic whereas now the singular focus is on kyle o'reilly and and i think it's difficult where he's this carefree submission expert and it's a tough (laughs) kind of mix of this guy who like makes like he's just incorporating a lot of this comedy and as well it's it's in an atmosphere in in front of a couple hundred fans that it's really hard to get a strong gauge in nxt over who is connecting what angles are working like it's just it's a very it's a very flat environment even with actual fans there and it's just it just pales in comparison to a lot of the other wrestling uh, that that we're seeing now that crowds are back where you're just it's 
it's something that the NXT look has needed an upgrade, but you're still in that performance center and it's just going to be, you know, your 180 fans for each taping. Like that's, that's a really tough audience to get, get a strong grasp of like who's Mm. over, like just it's, it's a ridiculous comparison, but like just imagine some of the elements tonight taking, not even considering the big E thing. But imagine that in front of like 180 people and you're trying to determine like what what is really getting over and taking away some of these huge reactions that are going to play an impact on your viewer at home in terms of the popularity of your product. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's a, that's a small point. Like even when you when you like you I mean, you can even find I me. Mean, NXT hasn't really ever been like a full touring brand. But like if you were to, so let's say if they were on a weekly basis, be able to be in a different city every week, like may- maybe that could sort of add, like, even if it was just a small venue, maybe that could just add some sort of like oomph to the product. But I mean, of course that's, I mean, that's probably what they're think- thinking about going forward with the, um, you know, with the NXT 2.0 thing. And like, we sort of got like a so- sort of like an animated glimpse of what the set was going to look like. It looked like a, like a revolving seating chart type thing. Like people are like going to be circled around and stuff like, like a, like mini, wwe ecw in a way in a weird way but um like as far as like the, where's like, your kind of interest in in this revamp like tomorrow night like are you pretty intrigued by what, what they are what what this show is going to look like what it's going to feel like i i am I, I think i'm just more so interested to see what it's going to look like and you know we, we've heard all the talk about like what they're looking for and like going forward and you know sort of not um banking in on some of the um more established independent guys like i I, I think that may be true to a certain extent, but I don't really think so. I think they're just more so looking at independent guys who ha- who haven't had as many miles on them. Like, I think they're going to be looking at guys like Christian Casanova, um, Car- Carmelo Hayes. They're going to be looking at guys like that who has been on the independent scene for maybe like five, six years and stuff like that. Who, and they can sort of still be able to take them while they're somewhat fresh and, you know, sort of mold them into what they think that, talent should be i think that's the type of guys they're going to go i don't think they're like done with independent guys but i definitely think they're going to more so go after those independent guys who haven't been out there as long so they can sort of reel them in and shape them into what they want those talents to be on tv and and, and as far as the um product goes um as far as my interest level um I, I i think nxt like they have had their moments over the past year where it has been sort of an okay show to a good to great show I, I i'm not gonna say the product is bad i don't think it is um and 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 like i'm just i i think i'm i think more than anything i'm curious to see like the set like <laughs> I, I don't know why i feel like that's the, like more, one of the more intriguing things and as far as um, the nxt title uh nxt title thing goes i definitely agree with you in the sense that i think Pete dunn is probably the more um likely option and it's, it, it is going to say a lot as far as like where his status is in the company Sticking with NXT, uh, Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful reported today that Johnny Gargano's contract is up December the 3rd. So it's not uh, immediate, but it's it's coming up in a couple of months. Right. And that's a, that's a really interesting figure on, on the board, Andrew, in terms of, um, you know, and especially coming off of these, these recent losses that the company has had. Like there, there very much is a perception war. And the question is like how much... WWE is going to want to combat that. And I think you watch a show like tonight's tonight's edition of Raw. I do not think tonight's Raw was a product of we're going against football. Like maybe you can put uh, a portion of that in, but right. I think tonight's Raw was very much a response to AEW. And in that sense, it's very good for the fans. And for a Johnny Gargano, it could be very good for the talent if you have that um, 
if you have two major companies that are interested in you, but mm. I'm kind of curious from, from your perspective, Johnny Gargano is in a very good role in yeah. NXT. Do you, do you see him wanting to stay put or is this the point in his career where it's okay? Wh- what are the long-term plans for me being in this company? Like is NXT my ceiling? Is this where my career is destined for? See, see, that's the thing, man. Like it, I, John, as, as long as you've been covering pro wrestling, like, have you ever, like did you remember a period when there have been so many guys who have had this amount of like good leverage in their respective careers like there's, there's like so many dudes out there so many times ta- so many talents in general like who have these like just incredible amount of like leverage points as far as like what they can do or like if they want to pull more money in and you know sort of raise their stock a little bit or if they you know want to go elsewhere like you like I'm I'm, I'm know you and Wade talked about it of uh, the Kevin Owens situation and like his contract supposed to be coming up uh, at the, at the beginning of 2022. And like, man, like, and you even say the same thing about Johnny Gargano, man, like it's th- these dudes have like the, the greatest like leverage points right now. Like they, I, I don't really think there's sort of a bad decision to make. Like as far as like, I mean, it, as far as him, as far as Johnny Gargano goes, like he's, he said in like a plethora of interviews, like that NXT is where, that's his home. Like he doesn't even not, not that they're against going to the main roster or going to Raw SmackDown, but they are solely focused on NXT and that's where they want to be. And that's what they want to do. And I mean, that pe- people say these things, John, like we serve people, people have said these things, man. And then like, you know, things change and you get different feelings and different opportunities come up. So it's like, you, you really can't call it. Um, I, 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 I can, I, uh, I, I think I can see Gargano stand. I, I feel I feel like Pete Dunn is a guy who would entertain. Hey, listen, the guys, idea. Keith, Keith Lee still needs a manager. So listen, yeah. guys, there is an open availability here. <laughs> oh my goodness, man! I, I, I can't. I couldn't believe that story when I first seen it. But yeah, man. But, but with Gargano, I, I, I definitely could see him saying, "I, I, I." With Pete Dunn, that, that, that's one I really can't call. But Gargano, I, he, he's one that I could see staying for sure. Yeah, I think like if you're if you're Johnny Gargano, I think like you do have a certain amount of of sway here to kind of sit back and see where what this new NXT is going to be, how it's going to benefit or or hinder a performer like you. Like it, it may be of great value to a Johnny Gargano, and from there, like it's it's what do you want out of your career? You have been now in this system for many years. Yeah. Uh, do you have aspirations of the main roster? If so, I think you know the. Uh, the oh, dangers yeah. <laughs> that come with that. Like that guy had his cup of coffee on the main roster. And I think to his benefit, he ended ended up back in NXT because I have a feeling that had he been up there, he would have been running after R-Truth and Akira mm-hmm. Tozawa most weeks if if he was up there on the main roster. So, I mean, he's had a very, you know, very strong run in NXT. Are you happy there? Do you want to go to the main roster? Or are you looking at AEW as an option? And all of this, we look at AEW, it seems like they they are not capping like their ta- their incoming talent. It seems mm-hmm. like they are they are very much open to bringing more and more and more. And that begs the question, like where where do they reach that that limit of how much talent they can they can bring in? Because the market is flooded with available talent that uh, we're, we're seeing now with like, you know, 30 day no compete clauses just expiring over the past week. There is so right. much talent out there. Hey, hey John, let, let me ask you this. Like we we've seen a lot of like you know hype around a lot of the male talent. Do you think 
well, not even do you think, like who who could you see sort of being that first uh, female name from WWE sort of like, but uh, other than um, Ruby Soho, like that would sort of like a, a marquee name, an established name in WWE that could make the jump. Like if, like if I'm, um, if I'm Tony Khan, man, like I'm looking at that division and I'm like the first person that would probably catch my eye who I could probably sway over there is Naomi. Cause like, dude, she, she's in her early thirties and like, they, they sort of treat Naomi like she's a part of the like old guard. And I'm like, she's not even in her prime years yet. Like the mo- most wrestlers hit their primes when they're in their mid thirties. That's not old at all. So I, I was like, I was thinking about some of like the, the female talent that could possibly be sort of a part of this and sort of make those jumps. Cause like that, I mean, as we seen, like, uh, I know you reported it this past Friday, like people get tired of that stuff, man. You, you know? Like, I mean, I, I, like I know somebody, I saw somebody said they said she's too attached to the E, but I mean, you could say that about a number of people, but things change, man. And once opportunities get presented to you, you I mean, it's, it's like one of those decisions that you just got to make in real time. Yeah. And I, I think like it is like one thing that WWE has that it's going to take a long time and they may never, they n- may never like lose this appeal is that you have a generation of wrestlers who grew up for the most part, a lot of them as fans. And the idea, the big dream was, you know, you have some that I'm sure it was like headlining the Tokyo Dome is a big dream. But for the most, they're thinking of like WrestleMania. And it's the the big appeal is WWE and wanting to make it in WWE. And that's something AEW cannot contend with. If you are someone that from childhood had your sights set on making it in WWE. Now we, we are starting to see, you know, people that have, been through the WWE system, have seen it, and they are opting to go elsewhere. And I think like that will take time, but I think that will kind of permeate down to performers that are looking and seeing like, where, where am I going to be happiest? Where right. am I going to get the most creative fulfillment? And like, you just look at the women on SmackDown. They have so many Man. women on SmackDown that I don't think we even realize. Like, yes, you have your A storyline with Becky and Bianca, but you've just introduced Naomi on there. She's doing her deal with Sonya. Liv Morgan and Carmella are trying to start their little program. You've got Shotzi and Knox who have kind of been lost in the shuffle during this whole part. You've just introduced Tony Storm on that show. Uh, like you have all of these women, Zelina Vega and Carmella are, you know, a, a tandem on the show. You have so many women and it's just trying to find time. And I don't know if necessarily, if, if you're frustrated by just a lack of television time, I don't know if going to AEW is going to necessarily satisfy that yeah. for you because you point. <laughs> that's such a loaded roster that it's it's not a guarantee you're going to be getting 10 minutes every week, even with the addition of Rampage. So that, that's a fair it, point. it's tough. It's all of what you're looking for. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely a fair point. Like I, I, the AEW definitely got their criticism with they uh with their women's division as well. Um, like I, like I, you mentioned um Selena Vega. Like I, I mentioned earlier that you re- reported uh, that their match got cut on Friday. They, they, they did her so dirty, man. That, that was that, that was wrong. That was so wrong. You know, it's like I was thinking of it. And as I said on the show Friday, like I, I don't know when the call was made during the show. Like mm-hmm. certainly that Edge Rollins match went super long. It's I, I could totally believe if that match, um, if the decision had to be made during that. But I don't know that for a fact. And at that point, it's. It's like it's 930. So you're looking at the last half hour of the show. You've got the tag title match, the big closing angle. I think at the very least, 
that should have been done for the live crowd. Like pull Drew and King Corbin, mm-hmm. at least give them the dark match and have her go out, gets to work in front of New York, tape it for YouTube, YouTube or the right, network the exactly. next day. Like put it up as your digital exclusive, at least give her that moment to go out there and perform in Madison Square Garden on the eve of 9-11. I think that would have been the audible to call. At least let her go out there and film the match. And I think that would have been... I mean, it's not the same as performing on television, but right. at least it's something, you know. D- didn't they have her like do um like promotional stuff prior to the show? Like she, she was, was like, yes, she, she yeah. was like introducing um the nine eleven documentary, WWE documentary, and, I and saw she was that. at the nine eleven ceremony the next yeah. day, like reading yeah. off like the names of of, of victims, in, including her father, of course. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I saw a couple uh, of her colleagues like tweeting at her and you know showing support and stuff like it. Like it, it's like stuff like that, man. It's like the, the the bare minimum you could have done was just let them go out there, get a dark match, tape it for you to put it up, so they at least they can have that, you know, and and be able to see that and and replay it and watching and stuff. Like it's it, it's like simple stuff like that, man. That you 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 gotta put some put some stuff to the side for. Like I can definitely see. Like I, I think I saw a lot of people like sort of um uh, uh, agreeing with the notion that it might have been the Edge versus Rollins match that went maybe a little too long or, you know, I ain't going to say a drag because it was a good match, but I mean, it was like, a very good match. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, like, um, like I, I definitely think that Zelina Vegas should have definitely had that, that, that moment right there. Um, Just before we uh wrap up the news here, did you get to see uh, any of the ring of honor pay-per-view on Sunday? Yeah. I, I watched the whole thing, man. I watched the whole thing. And we, oh, uh, we, 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 we we got an interview up on the site too with, with the with the, the with the women's champion. Yeah, yeah. With the women's champion. Roxy. That was like Roxy and Miranda Alize, like they had a great match. Like yeah. they were on second from the top. They really delivered in that position. And I think it really did like present the women's championship very strong uh coming out of that show. And Roxy, I mean, you you can speak uh to the fact interviewing her. I mean, here is a 19-year-old um, you know, tremendous um where she's at already in her career. Yeah. That- I think that's a, 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 a kudos to Ring of Honor as well. Like, I mean, if you're going to reboot your women's division, because the, the title has been, well, the, the Women of Honor uh, World Championship has been inactive for almost two years now. And like, if, you, if you're going to restart your women's division, what better way to restart it with a, a young talent such as Roxy? And then you can continue to build off that. I'm pretty sure there's more story to tell. They got Trisha Dora probably waiting in the wings somewhere. Like, I, I think they are off to a, a, a solid start with sort of their reboot of their women's division. I think they have a lot of people's interest. Like the thing is about Ring of Honor though, like j- just in this landscape, John, John, there's so much stuff happening, man, every day. Like, you know, from being in the news cycle, something is happening literally every day. That's like the biggest story. And then Ring of Honor is putting on a really solid product, like a solid TV product. And they put on a lot of entertaining matches. And it's just hard to sort of, what when they generate some buzz, it's like the next big thing just comes and slaps on the news cycle. And then it just takes over the cycle. I, I think, Andrew, it's going to be the, the hardest struggle is for non-WWE, non-AEW products to be able to capture that interest. Because that's a when you're talking about just those two companies, that's a lot of people's week that is tied up in various wrestling they're following. I think New Japan has suffered from that to a degree. There's mm. a lot of factors, but man, talking to people this week, it feels like G1 interest is the lowest it's been in years uh, going into the tournament this year. But I think ROH, it's the same thing. It's like, I I want to see, like we talk about all the talent that AEW has. I want to see some of that spread out and ROH, they've got a fantastic roster. Um, You know, you look at uh, Josh Woods, 
beating Jonathan Gresham. And I think that opens the door for Jonathan Gresham to, I think, mm. get thrust into that main scene. Like you got the, yep. the subtle tease with the handshake at the end of the night with Bandito. Like, I just think the world of Jonathan Gresham. I think that oh, guy's yeah. one of the most enjoyable wrestlers uh, to watch. And he, he has made that, that pure championship. It's, you know, it's, it's a big, it's a big uh, weight on the shoulders of Josh Woods to kind of follow up on what uh, Gresham has done with this championship. Yeah, I, I actually had read that um, Josh Woods, I think they said, I think his father was supposed to be at that show and his father had recently passed away. So it was oh, like wow. one of those, like the, the I, I think the, the idea, I, I, I really want to go find the, the report. I, I believe it was from PW Insider that had noted this, but um, yeah, his his father was supposed to be at that show and he, you know, he passed away a couple of weeks back. So, you know, blessings to Josh Woods and his family, of course. But yeah, that, that was a really, uh, a, a really, a really good match. And, and as far as Jonathan Gresham goes, man, he, he's becoming one of those guys that you're starting to see his name and it's like, oh, that's a dream match against so-and-so. That's a very intriguing match against so-and-so. And I think a lot of people um, are looking forward to the Suzuki match this weekend. I think that's this weekend. Yeah, with, uh, yeah with GCW. GCW that's on man. Friday, I think. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's I, 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 I can't wait to see that. And, and Gresham, like I, like I completely agree. I think he's probably, if I had to guess, I mean, you would probably think that it's going to be him versus Bandito for the title at the final battle show. And they're probably just going to do a slow burn to it and, you know, build them up gradually. Well, let's get into raw. You can find uh, all the latest news up at postwrestling.com. And tonight's show was at the TD garden in Boston, Massachusetts, electric crowd tonight. Like even before all the big East stuff at the end, this was a pretty hot crowd for raw. And I thought it, it elevated uh, a lot of the stuff on this show, but uh, we will go through it. It kicked off with biggie coming out and just having a hero's welcome. RK Bro was out, Lashley and MVP, and so we have all of them in the ring. Big E intends to cash in money in the bank tonight, and Riddle just asks him, please don't cash in on Randy. MVP says it won't matter because he's not winning, and MVP explains how Randy Orton politicked in the back to switch the tag title match and flip the Extreme Rules main event to tonight. So Orton says the only way I could throw Lashley off his game was by changing the date of the title match to tonight. And they gave it to me because I'm Randy Orton and Biggie gets in the line. Two big meaty men pounding meat tonight <laughs> on the USA network. And I will maybe that, man. Yeah, so that's going to be a tagline, I think, for an upcoming pay-per-view. So <laughs> the crowd's going nuts here. MVP says he always thought Big E would be the first one in the New Day to win the title and says he might be scared of Roman Reigns or Lesnar, but he's going to fear Bobby Lashley after tonight. And Lashley threatens to shove the briefcase so far up Big E's ass that he'll taste the fine print. That was a good line. <laughs> Sounds uh, horrific. And out of nowhere is the RKO as Lashley gets laid out to uh, end the segment. I thought this was, you know, it was, I think uh, it kind of set the table for everything that was to come on the show and your big angle for the end of the night. But also you had a great crowd reacting to a lot of these lines and treating the people in the ring like stars. I thought that this was a segment that came off well. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that they chose Boston to do this. Like I chose some like, you know, I ain't going to disrespect no other city, but some like rinky dink town or something like that. Cause when the crowd is just completely dead, cause they had these weeks when they go to these cities, man, the crowd is just like flat. So, so I'm, I'm glad Boston was alive, was alive for this tonight. And I, I think all three talents were presented very well. Like I said at the, um, at the top when we were discussing it, like it, they, they did as good of a job as they 
could have to sort of um just just, just sort of throw like that um that good type of swerve in there like oh you don't know what's going to happen even though a lot of us were thinking that Big E was going to end up on top even though there was still that little that that little bit of doubt in there because of WWE's track record plus them sort of making Randy Orton look good in this uh in in this segment as well Charlotte Flair cut a promo with Sarah Schreiber her reign will last forever long live the queen and then they promoted the draft that will be coming up October 1st in Baltimore for SmackDown and then October mm-hmm. 4th in Nashville for Raw. Yeah, WWE draft coming up, man. Like they Don, do you do you have any like interest in these drafts? Like I I I I, I ain't going to lie, I have fun covering it on the site. Like I mean it's just like hectic. I like kind of like that, but like but the drafts are just like eh like, I mean, I think, I, I, I think it's very just... few performers that could move that are really going to grab people's interest because I think it's the novelty of someone all of a sudden being on another brand. I think that's pretty much out the window, yeah. except for maybe a, a small number uh, of people. It's you, you see, you see Drew McIntyre moving to SmackDown. I do. I, I can oh. see that happening. Like just watching tonight's show, I get the sense of the. It seems like the Eva Marie Dewdrop thing is totally done. I could see them just splitting off and going separate ways. Drew McIntyre seems poised to go to SmackDown. Big E seems like he's on Raw as is. So mm-hmm. I don't even know if that's going to be a, a draft move. Um, it'll be interesting what they do with Big E if he's going to be just on both shows for the time being until Extreme Rules. Like, do you expect to see him on SmackDown Friday? I, I think that he does make both appearances, but I think like I, 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 this literally just popped in my head. I think they're probably going to build to a Reigns Usos versus a New Day at some point. Okay, I, 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 I definitely think that that's going to be on the table. Like, did, did they have that match of Survivor Series in twenty seventeen? I believe twenty so Survivor Series twenty seventeen when it was the Shield versus the New Day. Right, but I, I, that was the Shield, not the um, yeah, not the Usos. But like, I, I definitely think they're going to end up building towards that 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 six man tag, and it's probably going to be a big one. Like, and I, I definitely think by that time, do they will have? I mean, um, King, Kingston and Woods will have the Raw tag titles, and you know, we get the whole shebang with everybody as a champion. Charlotte Flair took on Shayna Baszler. It was a non title match, so. Uh, they announced Flair and Alexa Bliss for Extreme Rules. So that is the match we are building to. And Nia Jax earlier in the day explained or was speaking with Shayna. And Shayna explained her actions from last week saying, I did the same thing you would have done. Jax suggests they get on the same page. So she's out with Shayna Baszler, the, uh, the most dysfunctional tag team here. <laughs> Flair uh, did a suplex to get out of the Kirafuda clutch. Uh, there was a release German by Baszler. Uh, Flair went for the running boot, missed, and then hit the uh, the spinning Andrade elbow. Uh, it wasn't the most uh, seamless transition from the boot to the elbow, but did hit it. Flair did her moonsault to the floor, and then Nia walks out, and Flair has just been using the suck it sign repeatedly, and I guess this is her new thing. And Jax just had the most disgusted look on her face when Flair gave her the suck it sign. Baszler then sends Flair into the steps. We go through a second commercial break, and then Nia gets on the apron. This distracts Baszler, allowing Flair to land a running boot and win the match in 14 minutes, 16 seconds. So the opposite of last week, where Baszler cost Nia the match. This week, Nia cost Baszler the match. So we can prolong this until we get our Shayna Baszler Nia Jax match. But what did you think of the match itself? Uh. I was, I was, I was sort of like tuned out to, the, to this one. I was like watching it, but I really wasn't like, you know, 
I mean, like, I, 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 I think, like, I think you, you were thinking it. to yourself, you know what Charlotte needs? She needs a doll. <laughs> that, that's what this, this program needs, a doll. Like, man, with, with the Charlotte Alexa Bliss thing, John, how, how, do you, how would you go about trying to even transition Alexa Bliss back to the version of her that I think a lot of people were much fonder of than this version? Like, is there even a way to go about that? Or do you just yes. like... You get the elite to do a seance <laughs> and then Alexa bliss shows up and she thinks it's 2019 all over again. And there she's back in the, in the past before all of this happened. There you go. Like she, she's going to be in her hometown at, uh, at extreme rules. Oh my God. That's right. It's in Columbus. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. I mean, you, you, you would think she's going to get a, a nice, you know, reaction. And it's, especially, especially if they try to, I mean, you, normally they, they go to route of the hills, like, you know, or anybody really like when they in their hometown, they, well, the, yeah, with the hills, they try not to announce it. So, you know, but I mean, in this situation, it seems like the most likely thing that, they, that they'll probably do. So like, I mean, at, with, with this one, even though I'm not necessarily intrigued in the in-ring portion, I am kind of interested in sort of like the idea of like, to just more, more so the intrigued of like I, the possibility that Alexa Bliss could win. Cause I, I do feel like they're trying to pad Charlotte stats up. Like, I, I don't know why they just don't mention the two NXT women's title reigns that, that she has. It would make things so much easier, but I, I definitely think they're sort of heading towards the route of her sort of eclipsing uh Ric Flair's title reign record. Yeah. Well, Alexa comes out with Lily and she's got a present for Charlotte. Charlotte says, I don't collect dolls. I collect belts. And Bliss says to take the gift. They argue back and forth and Flair opens it begrudgingly. And inside, is a new doll in Charlotte's likeness, Charlie. And we are introduced to Charlie. The crowd starts chanting Charlie. And Bliss says, everyone needs a friend, even a self-absorbed, narcissistic bitch like you. And Charlotte works in a nice uh, corporate partner plug, stating that Mattel (laughs) will send Alexa a Charlotte Flair action figure when you're locked up in a padded cell. But until then, I will adult you until Extreme Rules. And with that, Bliss and her fought, ending with a code red delivered to Charlotte. And say what you will, at SummerSlam, you could see there were a lot of these dolls in the crowd. Now they Mm -hmm. have two dolls to sell. And I have no doubt, mentioning the fact that they'll be in Columbus, I bet you there's going to be a lot of fans that buy these dolls. So if Alexa is getting merch money off of these dolls, God bless. (laughs) There you go, man. There you go. Every fan, every collector's dream, coming home with your replica belt and your doll. Char- Charlie and um, what's the other one? Lily. Lily Char- and Charlie. Do you Lily think of all Charlie. the collectors out there that got the Lily doll, and now oh my god, we got to get the first edition Charlies now. It's, it's crazy. Like it's people that like have like legitimate like collect collections of these things that like go back years and years and years. So I'm pretty sure they that's probably gonna be some hat to take a chase after. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be wild in like 40 years when we're looking at like. WWE collectors and what they what the big items were that they've saved from 2021. They're going to have all the doll collections and God knows what wrappers from ice cream bars. <laughs> They'll be bronzed in some museum somewhere. So somebody in chat just said you can buy Charlie right now on WWE Shop. Oh, of go. course you can. Of course they can. This company isn't introducing a piece of merchandise unless it's ready to be ordered. Uh, pl- please let us know in the chat how much it's going for. I'd be very very curious. I'm guessing no less than thirty bucks. 
Uh, Drew McIntyre comes out, but he gets jumped by Jinder Mahal, Veer, and Shanky when the Viking Raiders run down. So we get an impromptu six-man. Um, very short. It was uh, Mahal was legal, uh, but then got hit with a spine buster. Shanky is tagged in, and Drew just hit him with a Michinoku driver, the Claymore, and pinned him in two minutes and 40 seconds. So after several losses, this was just a dominant win for Drew McIntyre. The Viking Raiders were barely part of this match, and I guess just giving drew a win and i i do think uh andrew this is probably yeah. a maybe the top guy on raw that is gonna need a change of scenery and maybe you do one blow off with jinder mahal although i don't think anyone's clamoring for it but it seems like he could be the most likely candidate to move yeah i, I definitely think they're, they're just sort of keeping drew on tv and sort of like you know just, just to remind people that he's there more so to like just like until he eventually moves it's not because i mean the draft is like what like you got like three weeks three mm-hmm. weeks or so to the draft and he's like, got he's got the open door now lashley doesn't have the title anymore so oh, he yeah, does have sure. that that gateway to the to the championship for sure now, now see that that's sort of an interesting dynamic now that he can challenge for the title like do you run biggie versus versus drew at some point or will he be more useful on on the smackdown brand and sort of he can be lined up as a a, a very credible challenger to roman reigns like i'm like i i mean i, I don't want to like go too far off topic but like i'm even curious as to what they're going to do at extreme rules like are you going to pin the demon i think so i Ooh. think so Man. yeah i think That's... like with, i think with reigns it's just it's all in the tough part is lining up baby faces that can be believable and that's a real struggle because he it just dominates everyone. Mm. And I think the idea is no one's going to buy Finn Balor, but maybe we can get a shred of doubt for the demon. But in that sense, like you do kind of have to beat the demon. Like, I, I don't think for a second he's pinning Roman Reigns. Right. <laughs> like, I, I don't think that's happening either, but I was just like, it, 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 it seems like that's probably one of the characters sort of supernatural-esque characters that they want to protect and i mean well maybe they don't consider a loss to reigns as far as the demon losing as a as a big one but like the, the thing is like about the demon even over the past couple of years like it is it, it's, it's sort of been um up and down for me just because like and and, and, and this is no uh slack on finn Balor, but it's like he like he does like the same moves like when he is the demon it's like the same exact thing so it's just like oh he just has on face paint and like, and, and I mean, like other, I could see, I could definitely see Reigns probably, you know, they, they, they'll probably go like another route of him, you know, doing like the low blow thing he does, like when the dude pins him and then he, you know, kicks out it, but it's a low blow act in actuality. I could see something like that happening again. But yeah, there, yeah. there's way the saving grace for that is I think they're going to have a hell of a match, especially oh, yeah. like, like a hardcore, like no holds barred match and they go 30. Like there's a way that he can lose. Like as we saw with All Out, it's like, is there any loser on that card, save for QT Marshall, that came <laughs> off of it like stronger as a result of it? Like Darby was stronger after the loss. Bucks mm. were stronger after the loss. It's like none of these losses really harm them, and that all comes down to your booking and then the execution of the matches. Like there's a way it can be done where it's not super harmful to the loser, but. I think with Reigns and Balor, like I'm pretty high that that match is going to be pretty solid at the pay per view. One hundred percent, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you. Real, real quick before we get back to the Raw, you 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 think we get uh, Brock Roman at Saudi? So I, I think so. I think okay. that that is probably. I it just they're they're pushing it too hard. Like I would say at 
if not Saudi, then Survivor Series. But I, I'm thinking uh-huh. October. Like I just I I see that being the big match unless they have something else up their sleeve for for that event. Like you know how they're going to s- stock up those those Saudi Arabia cards like that. That seems like the level mm-hmm. of match that they would earmark for for October. For sure. We get a, a New Day reunion in the back, and Biggie mentions that they're in Kofi Kingston's hometown. Kofi says, thank God I'm not going for the title tonight. No. That, uh, Kofi just says that Biggie has everything <laughs> it takes. It's a delayed laugh. I thought maybe I just swung and missed there. But he it, says it, it, that- it, took, it took me a minute to, me a minute to catch that. <laughs> uh, he says that Biggie has everything it takes to be the face of WWE. Look at that. I got the thumbs up. And they do a New Day chant to, to loosen up Biggie. Uh, all the 24-7 geeks are in the back running after Reggie. Drake Maverick, I guess, is the mastermind here. And he tells Truth and Tozawa that the problem was not the plan, but the execution. Um, I can say this whole 24-7 concept, you could criticize the plan and the execution as this title has been around now for two and a half years. But here we are. John, John it's time. It's time. <laughs> it's time. It's, it's, it's time to put this thing behind us, man. Like this, this 24-7 title thing. Like it, I mean... So I, I I was actually remember I was listening to a, um uh, an interview. No matter of fact, it was the interview that I that I did with with Jeff Jarrett, and I remember I asked him about the twenty four seven title thing, and he was like he was talking about our truth and all that stuff, and just talking about how like our truth has sort of like provided um, TV time for people that probably more than likely wouldn't be on TV if he wasn't if he wasn't there doing that twenty four seven title stuff or wasn't involved in that or like pushing it or like that primarily thing wasn't wasn't for him uh but like i i, I just think this thing is like way beyond the the, the course of, and, and as far as like what it was supposed to run like it's it's dragging and i mean Re- reggie can get his 80 million tiktok views i'm, I'm happy for the brother go, go get it i ain't mad dude, at it. Re- dude reggie's a fun character like yeah. there's there's a total utilization for him this is more just the 24 7 concept that i i've kind of liked how they've gotten out of the arena they're not overextending their their yeah. welcome on the show it's usually a minute or two uh the stuff in the back and just the the random segments that are just th- the carbon copy ones of every other week those are the ones that it just feels it's aggravating yeah well drake maverick the final boss of the 24 7 title segments and we got cedric alexander running out there sometimes too yeah, it's uh, it's quite the collection. But you know who was not part of the 24-7 Brigade? That was Jeff Hardy. Because yeah. all of a sudden, uh, I guess when it's an open challenge, that that gets you around any uh, logic. Because <laughs> this dude's been just uh, having his shoulders underneath the mat for every match against Karrion Cross. But all of a sudden, he's challenging for the U.S. title. He was the recipient here of this open challenge. And Damian Priest had to just play like the world's biggest Jeff Hardy fan as he made his entrance and he's smiling and he's clapping for him. Sheamus is out for commentary. And so they're having their match. Uh, Damian priest boots him off the apron and then lands this somersault on top of them. They go to the break, they come back. There's a belly to back off the top and Hardy goes to reverse in midair. And the idea was landing on top of priest, but the way he landed it was like his hip crushed Damian Priest. Uh, it just was a brutal landing as he lands on Damian Priest. They come back from that. Uh, Priest leaps off the second rope into Hardy. The announcers have no idea what he was trying to do. There, there is a twist of fate that is countered with the reckoning that looked 
extremely rough and I'm being, I'm being nice. And he wins this match in 11 minutes and 21 seconds. Uh, smooth. This match was not <laughs> Damian priest retains. And then Seamus just attacks both of these dudes and <laughs> hits a brogue kick to Hardy. And then Damian priest hits his own brogue kick to Seamus. And that is the end of the segment. Uh, this one did not work for me, Andrew, but I, I am open to interpretation of this match. So, so, uh, so, so, with, so let me say this first. With, with Damian Priest, I, I am somewhat impressed at how they have positioned him on TV. Cause like this dude came out of that bad bunny thing and like he was just like doing nothing. Like he was just like, he, he was just there. And like, I was like, how did they not co- fo- uh, follow up on this? But like, like ever since he sort of got involved in the U.S. title scene, he has been booked really well and like mm-hmm. pos- positioned really well, and I, I I enjoyed that aspect of it. This match necessarily, like it, it, it wasn't really all there for me. Like this is more of another one I was sort of like in and out, tuned tuned and out of. Like, like even when I see like when when I see Jeff Hardy take some of these falls, man, like you could just see it on his face. Like he like make the like the cringe face, like like it hurts, and you can obviously tell it does. Like. Jeff is the man, bro. He he. Jeff has had one of the greatest careers. Like that dude has done it all. For, for, first ballot Hall of Fame in, in in any Hall of Fame, whether it be the George Tragos or the WWE Hall of Fame, whatever it, Hall of Fame you want to throw him in, he he is valid. But like, so to seeing him um, take some of these falls, man, and like see him take some of these rough spots, it's like, oof. It's just not. Um... To me, like, like there's no story with him. It's like you're not capitalizing on, a, like, a Jeff Hardy and what that name provides that yeah. y- you could be doing with. Like, it's just, it's not very inspiring stuff. I mean, most weeks, he's on main event. Last week, <laughs> he was chasing after everyone in the 24-7 thing. I didn't even notice him last week. Um, it's And then you throw him in here. Like, the idea is sound that Damian Priest gets a win over, you know, a notable significant name, but Jeff Hardy has not been treated like a significant name for a long time. And I think Mm. it, then when you just want to snap your fingers and do something like this as well, the match was not that great either. So they didn't have that going for them either, but I think it's, it's hard to just suddenly, well, let's wave a magic wand this week. And Jeff Hardy is suddenly treated like a legend to everyone. When last week, the guys chasing after the 24 seven title. Yeah, I definitely think that's a fair point. Like they sort of, like I, I don't know what it is, man, but they they have like trouble sort of booking. Get like it, it's just the typical WWE thing. Like if they if they don't view you in a certain light at that time, you just won't be positioned as such. Like they even doing that as long as as, as long as we've been watching the product. Like I, I like some some I had kind of thought about doing this match. Like it just randomly came to mind. Like what was the last time you seen one of those like a live segments? The, the, oh uh, yeah part. yeah he died uh and then <laughs> he, he was reborn and now he's gone into hiding yeah those yeah. they just dropped those cold uh, for several weeks Josh, I, I genuinely believe that they don't have a clue with this follow-up character to him like the, the guitar thing that was like his thing and like i i think the whole point of it was for him to get back in front of a live crowd to finally do the thing and like <laughs> I, I i feel like now they're just like uh, what, what do we do? Do we like wait? And, like, Here's a banjo, forget? Elias. Knock yourself out. <laughs> right. They're gonna give him the what? What would they call it? The um, what, what, the Symphony of Destruction guitar. What was that big thing called? I don't even know what it's called. Oh yeah, the big bass. The, yeah, the big bass. Like they, they probably give him something like that. But yeah, like it's maybe Elias could be like a next challenger. But they like did the, the, that thing where you know they promote him and then like he's just vamoose. He's gone. He's vanished. 
Nikki and Rhea Ripley were backstage. They had a confrontation with Tamina and Natalia setting up uh, matches to come with Tamina and Nikki coming up next. They made mention of Gable Steveson signing with the company and the attention it received last week. And then Randy is in the locker room with Riddle. And Riddle's just going on and on about how are you going to wear two titles? And Randy should have just told him to go back to 2014 when I had to wear two titles. He just puts his headphones on and Biggie wanders in wishing him luck. And we'll be watching closely. Hey, hey John, I was going to ask you, like, what, what, do you, what, what do you, I mean, I, I know it's very like hella early to like even predict, but like, do, what do you sort of see for, for Gable Stevenson? Do you think of running NXT or do you think he's going straight to the, main roster and like they'll try to like cause I, I feel like they'll treat him with that same delicacy that they treat Roman Reigns with because I feel like they really don't want to mess this dude up like because agreed I, yeah I, I think they don't want to mess him up at the same time I think they also want to cash in on him while he is most relevant to the public and mm. that that's going to be tough like he's doing his final year at, at U- the University of Minnesota yep. and uh, he was on Ariel Hawani's show today and said I think there's a good chance I might even bypass NXT and go right to the main roster. I don't think mm. he's just saying that uh, just thinking off the top right. of the head. <laughs> I think like there's certainly an expectation that we want to train you and get you to the main roster as quick as possible. We don't, I don't think they want to have a five-year project in NXT. I think they want to have someone that they can accelerate and get to the main roster quick uh, because I'm sure it's a hell of a deal that he signed with, with this company. It, it's it. It's a lot of pressure on this dude, man. It's a ton of pressure it's on him. It's a lot of pressure. He's like going to he, be doing, like, he. they are going to be sending coaches and a yeah. ring out to Minnesota while he's still amateur wrestling. And mm-hmm. I, listen, I'm not a trainer, but I, I would imagine that training both, like, amateur and professional at the same time is going to be just nuts on your body and probably in your head as well. Uh, like, mm-hmm. they're two different things. And I, I think like that it's going to be a lot. Like he's 21. This is a lot on his shoulders. And to me, I would want to play the long game. Like, okay, this guy, maybe he's super popular now. And maybe we're mortgaging a bit of that, but we want to get a career out of this guy. We do not want to just get two years out of him and he burns out and he fails in this system that that looks poorly upon your performance center as well. If this guy flames out and does not make it like there will be a spotlight on them too. Um, also of noting that that interview today is that he does have plans to do MMA, at least as of today, he is stating he does. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like, it's, it's like with, with Gable Stevenson, man, like, like you said, there's, there's a ton of pressure on him. Like he got, he got to show up. Like he had like, cause I, I feel like you got the pressure of, like that internal pressure of like wanting to succeed on his own. And then you may of course have the WWE who's expecting a lot of big things out of him. And then you have the public who is like, okay, they hyping up this dude. Like, of course he's a great amateur wrestler. We've seen what he can do. Like one of the, probably one of the, probably one of the best, if not the best amateur wrestler out there. And like, it's, it's just a lot of, a lot on him. And then I remember he, he had like a news conference today as well on top of the, um, the Ariel Helwani interview, he had like a news conference and uh, I had read it like an excerpt from it. And he said that he was very clear in his negotiations with WWE that as of this moment, um, his duties with the Minnesota uh, Gophers, like that's his number one. And he's like, he made that like abundantly clear, like mm-hmm. right now, that's what I'm focused on. And like, that's my number one. And he said that WWE was all for it. They agreed. But like you said, at some point, you know, I'm pretty sure WWE is going to be like, all right, now, like, let's, 
let's reel it in. Let's focus on, you know, what we signed this deal for. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a three-year deal that does yeah. not include the rest of this year. So I guess it would like the three years starts next year. So yeah, it's, it's a major project for, for the company. And I mean, the, the raw talent is there. It's a phenomenal athlete, but I mean, we, we've seen lots of athletes. Like it's, it doesn't mean an automatic success story in pro wrestling. So there's going to be a lot of focus on him over, over these next few years, I would say. Tamina and Nikki Ash, what a match this was. So uh, Tamina swats Nikki in the face. Nikki goes for this tilt-a-whirl head scissors that did not quite work out. She's attacking her with punches, hit a tornado DDT out of the corner. And then Tamina, <laughs> Tamina is hit with the tornado DDT. And Nikki is on top of her. And the referee goes to count three. Tamina kicks out at three. (laughs) And the match is over. This was so bad. (laughs) Dude, Nikki is the winner. And Greg Hamilton announces, I think it was Greg Hamilton, the ring announcer announces Tamina is the winner. And they're they're playing Tamina's music. What the hell is going on here? This was god awful, man. Like I, I remember, like I had because I, I was um, I was uh put, putting up the uh, the the NJPW strong, uh yeah, my, Mike Rome, that's his name. Thanks. Uh, okay, it was Mike Rome. Yeah, Mike, Hamilton's Mike on SmackDown. The, the, I was putting up the the the, uh, the NJPW article, and like I remember, I looked up and I, I saw, I, I saw somebody pinning it, then I heard them announce Tamina was the winner. They saw Nikki A.S.H. pinning her, and then uh, they announced Tamina's a winner. They they played Tamina's theme song. I was like, dude, what is going on? And I I know the match was bad. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was just like, man, you want to know what's crazy? Like, I even know that, like, how um, uh, Chelsea Blackheart and Tegan Knox have not touched these tag titles at some point yet. Like, I know they had, like, three number one contender matches already. Nick pinned and I, I mean, uh, Tamina and uh, Natalia. Like, it's, it's best of seven, it, Andrew. Once you get that fourth <laughs> win... Then you're in contention. Then you get it. But th- this match was horrible. Like yeah, and this, this was this. just a mess at the end. Like obviously something screwed up here at the end, and they were expecting Tamina to win this match. She did not. So th- this was just a just a total mess. Uh, from there, they go right into Natalia and, and Rhea Ripley after Tamina attacks Nikki, and they all get involved. Um, <laughs> Natalia just starts taunting her and just yells "bitch" right at Rhea Ripley. <laughs> <laughs> now. Uh, this is actually, I, I thought that these two ha- had a pretty good match together. Um, Natalia worked pretty well here with, with, with Ripley going for the sharpshooter. It got stopped. There was a ripcord headbutt, and Ripley hit this so hard, she looked dazed from this. The sharpshooter gets blocked. She catches the leg, goes for the riptide. When Tamina gets on the apron, Nikki returns because she had been in the back and trips Natalia from the floor. Ripley then drop kicks Tamina, and Natalia gets caught using the rope for leverage. And there's a head bump by Ripley and applies her submission, uh, tapping out Natalia in 11 minutes and 36 seconds. Uh, the correct person was announced as the winner. The right music played. This is a win. And Rhea, Rhea, when you look at Rhea Ripley's run on the main roster so far, it has been a uh, interesting one. Because remember, she got called up out of nowhere. When she, she got inserted into that title match out of nowhere with Oscar. And like, I, I think we all can, you know, we all have, gone back and assumed and debated about what that was originally supposed to be. I think a lot of people think it was supposed to be Lacey Evans versus Charlotte. And, uh, you know, like the, the, the like real Ripley's whole run has been, uh, it's been quite the interesting one, but the, like the, this whole, I'm, I'm so sad of the kind of partners who aren't alike. Can they get along? Can, can they function? Can like, they I, coexist? Can they, so the I'm eternal so- question <laughs> in WWE and their tag division rotates around that question. 
Uh, Schreiber walked up to Charlotte. She moved over. She found the Charlie doll, called Alexa a sociopath, and will destroy her and Lily at Extreme Rules, and then threw the doll in the garbage. Andrew, I don't think that doll is going to stay in the garbage. I think it's going to come back to life. It's, it's going to be on the turnbuckle next week during Charlotte's match. Oh, you gonna give, give it a wink. Remember that thing at SummerSlam? That was, that was so bad. <laughs> Just get ready. I think I think they're gonna have plenty here. We're gonna have a, a tag match uh, out of all of this. The two AJ's, dolls <laughs> with the dolls, yeah. Interdoll. <laughs> AJ Styles, Omos, T Bar, and Mace against Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, Mansoor, and Mustafa Ali, presented by Kit Kat. Um, I thought this was actually a pretty entertaining eight-man tag for the time it was. T-Bar and Mace just destroyed the baby faces for the first half of this. Uh, they got the advantage on Mansoor. He tagged Woods, who was in with AJ. Uh, New Day double-teamed AJ. There was a trouble in paradise got, that got caught with an Ushiguroshi. And then everyone's in. We're just flying through moves here. Ali gets the tag and hits this beautiful tornado DDT that sends AJ into the corner where he tags Omos. And dude, this crowd gets so into Omos as he enters and Ali is just selling like the doom of it all. And Mansoor jumps onto Omos's back. New Day grab onto his legs. They all look completely ridiculous. And Omos just throws them all away. clears the ring except for Ali who takes the tree slam and one hand pins him in 12 minutes and nine seconds. Uh, I would say if, if the goal of this was to make Omos look like a big monster and you got like some fun action before, I thought this achieved. But man, Andrew, where are they going with Omos? Because I'm watching this. It's like, dude, they, they are getting ready for big things with Omos. It, like, I, I'm, I'm like legitimately, like not even trying to be funny. Like, I, I'm like legitimately starting to notice like the crowd reactions. Oh, boss. They like, got into him like, last week with Lashley and they yeah. did again here. Like the crowd is getting into this guy and it's, it's notable. I, I think if he can just sort of get somewhat more swifter in the <laughs> ring, like I, I think that they could, like, I, I think they have plant big plans for him. Like regardless, like, like it, it's kind of funny seeing like AJ Styles being like the background guy, sort of like, even though AJ Styles is the more, experienced and like he's he just that still gets good reaction but it's kind of interesting seeing Omar sort of sort of take the forefront and AJ just kind of being like the other guy there to just sort of help him along the way it is an interesting thing and like with um even uh Mustafa Ali like um I, I know he tweeted he tweeted something after the show and he was just like uh he said my name is Mustafa Ali I'm a Muslim American I am uh Pakistani and in Indian descent and I am one of the best wrestlers in the world I think that was like just one of those like you know just one of those self-pat on the back things, you know, because Ali, he he is a very talented individual. John, for real, for real, I don't think he's ever bounced back since he got taken out of the elimination chamber. Like, I, he he hasn't done anything of, like, notoriety or, like, anything notable since that happened. So, he like, he gra- sort of he got his hand on the briefcase, remember? When oh, Brock oh, yeah, came oh out? yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. that was, And then he paused oh. in shock and fear and all. But that was, yeah, that, that was something. But, yeah, man, I think this match, like, I think you hit it on the head. This is probably designed to you know, be a big win for Omos. And like he, oh, Omos getting the crowd reactions, man. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they do, see what they do next. Lashley and MVP are getting ready. Kevin Patrick asks if Biggie is a distraction tonight. They say, no, he's an annoyance. And Biggie will just add, be added to their list of victims. And Biggie walks in and reminds them of his plans to cash in. But before that, Eva Marie versus Dewdrop, the mega oh, powers brother. explode. <laughs> 
Corey Graves says that Eva's striking would make the Paul brothers blush. And Jimmy Smith says, well, probably, probably wouldn't take much for the Paul brothers to blush, essentially taking his, his jab at them. Uh, Dewdrop misses in the corner, but then hits a follow-up avalanche. Eva rakes the eyes, but can't roll up Dewdrop. She won't move and hits a senton and a splash off the ropes and pins Eva just like that in two minutes. And this felt very abrupt, Andrew. It was like, man, this is done. Like, this just feels like this pairing is over. This feud is over. And they're going separate directions. That's what this felt like to me. No, nah, they're going to run it back next week. <laughs> You're probably <laughs> right. You're probably right. <laughs> Hey, hey, let me ask you this. Who, who do you think? Because I, I definitely think that they're going to continue to use Eve Marie in this same role because it, it, in somebody's mind backstage, this is working. So who, who do you think is going to be next up to sort of be like the protege of Eve Marie? I'm telling you, I'm, I'm banking 100% is going to be Liv Morgan. I'm calling it now. Remember I said this. When they, I, I feel like she's going to get moved over and then that's going to be the thing with her and Eve Marie. I, I think she should just be like a manager and she does like one or two wrestling matches a year and just build it up to that because I don't know. It's just, I don't know. To, to me, this, uh, the last iteration of Eva Marie where they, they brought her down to NXT and she did the match with Bailey. Like mm. if you go and go back and watch that, like this crowd was just in fear that, oh my God, they're going to put the NXT women's title on Eva Marie. <laughs> and it was a weird dynamic that worked and Bailey overcame and won it. And there was an appeal to Eva Marie. And it seems like they have just moved her now into 2021. And I just don't think any of this has really landed with me. And if anything, I think that like Dewdrop has gotten some, like more of the audience has gotten into Dewdrop. And I, I see like more for her in the immediate, like they're certainly not going to just drop Eva Marie, but like, I don't have a great idea for her either um, uh, of what you do next with her. Like, this just did not really work unless your intent was for Dewdrop to, you know, come out of this as, as a baby face. And it does seem like there is some fanfare for her. She's she's a great wrestler. She's a great wrestler, man. Like, even when she was doing that, some of that stuff over in um, ICW, like, and I've seen, like, one of me, like, three or four shows that, that heard her on it over there. Like, she... She is extremely talented, including like the NXT UK stuff, of course. But like, I, I definitely think John, we, we will definitely you, you and Way will be talking about this match again next week at some point. I fear that you are right. Uh, <laughs> also, congratulations uh, because uh, Dewdrop was married over the weekend. Hey, congratulations! And she's right back here to for the this. Uh, t- at least she got the win uh, yeah. on Monday. <laughs> yeah. The I want to say repackaged carrying cross, but oh, the main go. thing was the unmasked uh, carrying cross. Um, this was pretty much like a combination of like those old Sean O'Hare vignettes in WWE with like a mix of like Aleister Black all combined here. It, right down to the line, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. And they show highlights of Cross inflicting pain. He says that it has become insatiable. His list of victims is growing. His motives, his desires, his ultimate plan. Uh, he says the goal is to hurt everyone and get what he wants and not be here to get lost in the shuffle, which was his That's actual sick. line. I'm not here to get, lost, to get in lost in the shuffle. He, Cross makes the exact same face. I was going to do the thing when you, when you read his promo. He just, the yeah. whole promo. He was very emotive uh, with his uh, facial expressions for each of these syllables that he was uh, uh, delivering. And everyone will learn to fall and pray. So did you take this as sort of um, like a, a, a restart on the Karrion Cross character? Or it was just this a throwaway segment. 
I, I, I can't call him a WWE man. I can't. Like, like I mean, they, they brought this dude on the first night and he lost to Jeff Hardy when he was champion. So, like, now it's like they're going backwards. It's like, okay, he got the title off him. So, like, it's like they're trying to, like, really build him now. And it's like, it's, it's, it's so ridiculous how they go about some of these things. Like, they, they, they like, take the most, like, the, the weirdest routes to go about building certain people, man. Like, when I heard this promo, like, when he said, when he said, I'm not here to get lost in the shuffle, I'm like, ah, hey, Brad, you are lost in the shuffle. I was like, I don't know which, which other way you would be right now. But, I mean, I, I, I guess we'll see. We, we definitely going to see. Yeah, it's been a tough one for him. Like, it's, like it was awful. Like, the, there, there's no debating that, that Jeff Hardy debut. But, you know, the next week when they put him over, I'm thinking, okay, it was a really awful introduction. And now they can get him back on track. And it will slowly work for him. But here we are. Dude, it was like, that was like a fatal blow that first week. And it's not just that. It was taking away the the elaborate entrance, taking away Scarlet. Like you took away so much of the features that got this guy over in the first place. And on top of that, you gave him this stupid mask. The matches were not anything special. Like th- this guy just had no favors done for him from the get-go. And I don't think he's been able to to climb out of that hole yet. So hey, John, I wanted to ask you like, and, 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 and I, I think maybe more so is just social media, but what, what, do you remember that? Like I was going, like I was going to ask you, like, what do you think about that that promo that Adam Cole cut on Cross a couple months back? I think it was in like June. Like I don't know if you remember the one I'm talking yes. about when he, yes. when he was just like, you know, basically, you know, he 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 said a lot of stuff that was like very very true, and like I I, I think that like I think a lot of people were some somewhat thinking of, already thinking about that thinking that about Cross, but like when when he said it. And it started like getting around on social media. It was like, damn, because like half of that stuff that he was saying was kind of true. He was like, you know, you got the lights, you got the the cool right. entrance, you got the girl. And he was like, well, you, you know, if they want to make me feel special, they just put me in the ring. And he was like, they done everything to try to make you feel special. And it was just like, when you really look at that now and you look at what Cross is now, they stripped everything away and look at him. He's like the fourth, <laughs> the fourth member of demolition. Exactly. You know, you remember that texted you the uh, the picture across when he first debuted. Yeah, you, you sent me the picture of the mask before I, I had not caught up to Raw yet, so I'm just getting this. I'm like, what is this? And then when it happens, I was like, oh my god, this is uh, awesome! Oh my goodness, more, more for the collectors to get. I wonder how much that's going on WWE shop for. Somebody go look, please. All right, but let's get to the main event. Uh, Bobby Lashley and Randy Orton for the WWE Championship. Now, I know all the focus is going to be on Big E. I thought this title match was great, and this crowd was so into it. I thought Randy Orton was great in this match. He's selling his left leg, left ankle, uh, and knocks Lashley over the barricade. They go through the commercial, and then Orton gets nailed into the post off Lashley's shoulders. uh, And then the crowd is all behind Randy as Lashley spears him in the corner, Orton's selling big. He makes his comeback. It's a draping DDT and signals for the RKO. And this crowd is really hot. The RKO gets blocked and Lashley hits a spear. Orton kicks out at two. And then he fights off the hurt lock, breaks free of the grip, hits the RKO, but he's got to roll over. And when he finally does, MVP pulls Lashley away. The crowd is livid. Riddle gets into MVP's face. Orton hits MVP with an RKO on the floor. Crowd is still chanting for Randy. 
He climbs into the ring and Lashley has had enough time to recover, spears Randy and pins him in 13 minutes and 21 seconds. Uh, I thought these two had a really great match together. Yeah, I, I think the match was really solid. They, they were, I, Surprisingly, I'm not even going to lie, I, I didn't think Orton and Lashley would play well off of one another, but they really did. And I think they really told a good story. Like Even with Lashley, man, like he, he had me like legitimately convinced that he was hurt. Like even like going like out of that um out of that match like, spot, yeah the death spot like I, I legitimately like the way he like sort of jumped up and he like made it seem like he tweaked his knee like I legitimately thought he was hurt so like kudos to Lashley on that 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 table spot uh, towards the end of the match but yeah with Orton and um with, with Orton and Lashley like it's it's gonna be one of those matches John that sort of like it, it, something that comes to recent memory is uh Omega Christian like th- that match was really good and it got overshadowed by you know the debuts of Cole and Danielson and with this one. Uh, I think it's going to be one that people sort of like, they'll probably remember if they go back and revisit it at some point, but like, just because the Big E moment was so massive that maybe people won't remember it in the long term as far as how, uh, how well Orton and Lashley worked off one another. Lashley throws Riddle out, runs him into the post and then slams Randy through the desk. But as he slams him through, as Andrew mentioned, he starts limping. And he's limping his way up the steps into the ring. It was tremendous selling by Lashley. And boom, Wale plays. And out comes Big E. And this crowd goes nuts (laughs) as they know what's next. And out comes Big E. He's got the briefcase. He hands it in. Dip to black. We go to commercial (laughs) break. And everyone was livid for this as they were just milking things for those final three minutes of the show. And that's how much time is left when they come back and... The bell rings after Big E just slaps the hell out of Lashley. Big E goes after the knee, which has been injured. He lifts up Lashley. He blocks the big ending, spears Big E, and Big E gets a two, uh, there's a two count, and he kicks out. Lashley lifts him up. B pops off the shoulders and grabs him for the big ending and wins the title in a minute 14. This place went nuts. The New Day comes out. Great moment to go off the air with. It was just like a rare like feel good moment to end a WWE show, which they hardly do enough of, but this was a really cool moment to end the show with. And, you know, some people took issue with the fact that it's, it's Big E taking advantage of Lashley while hurt. I don't think the crowd read that at all. I think they got an awesome moment and you have left the door open to do the rematch now in a couple of weeks at the pay-per-view. And I think that needs to be another solid win for Big E. There is no way he can lose that belt in two weeks. And I think you've got to put like, put everything behind him, make this, make this work and give him every opportunity he can, because he is someone the audience wants. So provide that. Yeah. And I definitely think they should make his first uh, post title win appearance, a big deal, like promote him heavy. Like I'm pretty sure B is going to be doing a, a bunch of media this week, like leading up to this first, his first appearance, man. But like, uh, it, it, it was great. Um, seeing him get the get, get the title win, like I I really enjoy these type of cash ins where there's some type of like fight and struggle in it, and it's not just like oh go straight to the ring and then you know the person's already down and all you got to do is hit your finisher and that's it. I, I like these ones where it's like you know they're just like that 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 sort of that thing as far as like there, there's some doubt there that the other person could end up retaining. I really enjoy those type of cash ins because it just makes everything more exciting and more interesting. But ultimately to see Biggie get the title win, man. And like, and like you said, I think that they need to, like I, I mentioned earlier, like I think they need to treat him with the same reverence as they treat 
the other world champion on SmackDown, which is Roman Reigns. Like, treat him with that same sort of respect and build him up, Will, because if you make people believe that he is on that same level, then, I mean, if you treat if you treat him like he's on that same level, people believe he's on that same level. Like, as Big E, he has every tool possible that you could want. He could talk on the mic, marketable dude, people like him, and he could obviously go in the ring. So I feel like there should be nothing that should prevent Big E from having a good and lengthy title run. And I like, honestly, like I'm looking at it and then you know, he's probably, in, he's probably more likely going to be on raw a full time uh, at, at some point, probably, you know, they, 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 you know, they probably have him going back and forth until the draft. And then I think so. Form, I, I, I would be yeah. shocked if they don't put him on SmackDown, just like that's, he's going to be the big buzzworthy star this week that yeah. you put on SmackDown that can do a number. And listen, with, with AEW putting up some big shows, it's like tonight you've not created something where, if you had the celebration on Friday and you announced Biggie's making his first defense next Monday on Raw, like mm. that's a shot in the arm Raw has needed for a long time. And I think that that's, that's something that they have at their disposal. And it was, you know, in one night they did, they set the table. But as you said, uh, rightly so, it's very important, like the follow up and m- making this, you know, taking this, this great moment and building upon it. Like the John, I'm pretty sure you remember. Um... Kofi Kingston's like post WWE title win, like that was that was legitimately one of my favorite wrestling moments in history. Like seeing that, like that was that that was amazing. Like just for me as a fan of wrestling, black wrestling fan, like cool seeing that. But like the the follow up to that was it, it was like like they they had like put no build into the Kevin Owens thing. The Joe thing was okay, and then they had a few Madolph Ziggler for two months, and it was just like it lost so much steam. And then by the time the thing uh the squash of Brock happened it was like you could kind of see the writing on the wall of course I didn't think it was gonna go down like that but like still I I, I feel like they need to lock in on Big E man and go all the way in like don't half ass with this dude go all the way in and build him as he is your one of your faces of, of your company did I ever tell you my Kofi Kingston story at MetLife Stadium I did not hear this okay so this is WrestleMania, uh, what was the year? 2013. So that would have been uh, 29. Okay, so it's mm-hmm. WrestleMania 29 at MetLife Stadium. And I'm in the, like, the, the area where all the media is in the box. Mm-hmm. And it's like this big area. And they brought up like some of the NXT talent was up there at the time. And other talent that was not on the show was up there. So I'm going to the washroom. And, you know, it's, it's a fairly big washroom and Kofi Kingston is in there as well. <laughs> and this kid comes in and he recognizes Kofi and he goes up to Kofi. And he's like, who are you wrestling tonight? And Kofi's like, not this year, not this year. Something to that effect. Like he's not on the card that year. Mm. So he's just like letting this kid like know that he's not on the card. So then in that very same stadium, I'm there in 2019 and the guy wins the championship oh, yeah, that's crazy. in that very same stadium. So that, that was very cool. Like seeing that oh, moment cool. in 2013 where the guy didn't even make it on the show. And it was just such a sad scene of him having to tell this little kid that, Oh, I'm not wrestling on this card tonight. That's very cool. You want to know, I actually saw, I think it was way who tweeted out. I saw one of your, um, your interviews. Uh, I think it was at a WrestleMania access show. I can, it, it slipped in my mind with who, who the person was. But it, it was a it was a it was a really really good interview, Joe Poe. So kudos to you for that. I can't remember, I can't remember who it was, but that was I'll, a really I'll, good. I'll interview. take the credit. <laughs> <laughs>
we got some feedback here. We'll quickly uh, go through and then uh, we'll, we'll wrap up things here. But Luke from Quebec writes in, I have not watched Raw in a long time. I usually just listen to your reviews. They did get me to tune in for the end of the show with the Big E news just to see what would happen. I'm really happy for Big E. He looked like he looks like a genuinely good human being, and it's nice to see a longtime mid-carder be elevated to the main title, which so rarely happens. Unfortunately, I can't say this felt very organic. There was no long build, no story, just a tweet, and then a title win. I hate to say, but it felt very forced and reactionary. I think Big E deserved a better path to the title, but this was still a nice moment. Not very hopeful about the future handling of this title reign my only question now is when will be xavier's time uh you know there's there's certainly merit to that like this was not built up or anything like that but Mm. i do think like they struck big tonight and it was one of those you know a very exciting moment where when, when you get that elevation like i think fans really get into that when you see a natural elevation of a star and winning that title like the hope is man this is going to really cement someone that I think the crowd has largely been behind for years and wanted to see in this role. And yeah, they kind of shotgun this, this title win, but I think that they did it in a way that's going to have a lot of enthusiasm coming out of it. So it's up to them to really deliver on that. Exactly. Like, and, and John, how, how long have you seen, like even just on social media, people saying, Oh, you know, Biggie deserves to be a world champion. Like people have been saying this for years, man. Like, and they finally, found like a moment and it definitely was a hot shot title thing but I think it was just it was just one of those things but I mean it, when you really think about it most money to make contract cash-ins or some side of like a some form of a hot shot type thing but like just with Big E's man it's just like like I said earlier my main concern is just more so the the the, the follow-up to this big moment and, and I think you sort of laid out something smooth that a route that WWE could go as far as promoting his first appearance and then going as far as like having a, a title defense against Lashley at the Extreme Rules pay-per-view. Where do you see Lashley going after all of this? Could you see him being flipped over to SmackDown? I, like, especially coming off. See, this is another thing, to be honest with you. Like, they, they have it. They, sometimes they do have issues with booking people coming off of big losses. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they legitimately have an issue. Like, I, I think they don't go the simple route of just Look, if they come off a big loss and you don't know what to do with them, take them off TV and just keep them off TV for like a month, two months. Like it, it won't hurt. It'll give people time to miss them. I think that's always a good thing with talents are coming off a major loss. Just take them off TV. Like if you really don't have anything that's going to elevate them to that, uh, to, to, to sort of get them back to where they were coming off of that big loss, then just keep them off. Like with Lashley, I definitely think a move to SmackDown wouldn't wouldn't hurt, but like, I'm thinking about more so like what that would do to Raw, but we also don't know who's going to be moving over from SmackDown to Raw. It's like it's it's the the draft is like they're, they're, they're like their rosters are so like uh like top heavy this year, and it's like there's no like guys that sort of in that um that 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 mid card that I'm looking at who I can see sort of like rising to the forefront. And I, I don't know uh he mentioned Xavier Woods. Like I, I know a lot of people are sort of looking at Woods as sort of like what he can do. Like I mean I I, I definitely think there is a a spot in there for a Woods title defense. Like, and John, I think that could be an interesting one. Like, Biggie being like, hey, I want to make sure my guy gets a shot at the world title. And they sort of go that route for one of the pay-per-views. And, you know, you get a, you know, a nice, and they don't have, nobody has to turn heel. Nobody has to do any of that. It could just be Biggie, just say, hey, let me get my guy a shot. And you have a couple of near falls in there where you might think Xavier might pull it off and just, you know, make it intriguing. But yeah, but for Woods, I, I, I like, he's, openly said multiple times that you know 
that, that those guys are legitimately brothers. Like he says, when one of them wins it, they all win it. And Woods has been like, I just want to win King of the Ring and I, that'll make my career and stuff like that. So, I mean, I, I definitely think it's, some, it's a spot in there for Woods as far as like a, a major title win, but that's just more so a WWE having to uh, put him in position to uh, like, so yeah, just sort of yeah, put him in position to, to have that moment. MJ writes, with the timing of the Biggie podcast and now his championship win, do you think the timing is coincidence? I do. I, I don't think one had anything to do right. w- with the other. Like I, I just, I, I don't think that had anything to do with it at all. Um, I'm just going to skim down here because we are getting late. So I want to get in these, these last few here. Uh, Kate writes, it's not quite Kofi mania levels of emotion, but damn, did it feel good to see Biggie win that belt. Now it's time to make good and, and write what they did wrong with Kofi. Give us a strong baby face champion who has entertaining feuds and gets people excited to see him. Let Big E be Big E and the show will improve from that alone. Tonight's show is proof of that. Aside from the usual dinner theater level promo work, many of the matches were sloppy, but no one is going to think about that too much because Big E won and that's what matters. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think like I, I think everyone it's it's a champion that people are very much willing to embrace and and you do have some some like very interesting figures now. Like I think certainly you can look at Damian Priest as someone that I could see them very much going all in on. And it's just, you know, having the right heels lined up for, for Big E, like you have Lashley in the interim. And maybe there's a value to Drew McIntyre as a heel on Raw if you need if you need if mm. he's better served there than just being the latest babyface to be thrown at Roman Reigns. Like it it does change things up a bit with uh with, with the Biggie in this mix and and finding different opponents for him. Uh heel Drew McIntyre versus uh babyface Biggie would be interesting. Drew Drew has been sort of on that babyface ass since what like late twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it, it, I I think that would be a good a, a good few right there, especially if he doesn't move to SmackDown and let's say you want to move Lashley over. I think that would be a really really positive for Drew. And I was gonna say John and they. They 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 posting the, the the pictures, man. Uh, a Biggie and, and Brody together. Oh man, they tugging at the heartstrings, man. They tugging at the heartstrings. Wow. Last one here is from Muggin. Going into tonight, I had feared that WWE was going to dangle the carrot of Biggie becoming world champion all night, only to take it away. I was proven wrong. Bobby Lashley did a fine job as the champion, but Raw desperately needed some kind of change. I'm not saying Biggie winning the big one will fix the myriad of issues this show has, but it's a start. Couldn't have happened to a nicer dude. What a feel-good ending. Uh, yes, it was. I, I I don't think like Raw was... Um, I, I think they certainly needed something big like this to, I think, inject some excitement in it. But I, I thought Lashley was a very strong, strongly booked champion. Yeah. And the, the issue, I think, was just finding the baby faces for him, essentially, to feud with. Like, Randy Orton, it's a good match with him. I don't know how much uh, interest was really being drawn from that feud. I think it was just trying to find baby faces, which this company has struggled with, but now you have one and it's finding heels for him. And I think that there's, I think that there's probably like a renewed interest, at least, especially in, in Big E that is at least going to get some, some casual viewers to see what, what is next in this story. Yeah. I I definitely want to give a shout out to the way they, uh, position Lashley on screen, man. Like he he had a really solid run. Like he was booked, m- like he was booked fairly strong throughout the whole way. Like there, I don't think there was like I can't I can't recall at least any points where he seemed like he was the weakling in the storyline or like he he was always like the more dominant 
champion throughout most the, of the only run. casualties were Shelton and Cedric. What one hundred percent, man? But yeah, I'm, I'm like they, they, they did a good job with, with Lashley. I, I, I give them props. The WWE they don't get a lot, of, a lot of stuff right, but they, they, they got Lashley pretty much fairly right, and I'm hoping they do the same. And a lot of credit to MVP, who was a huge reason for that, man. Oh, my goodness. Like, think about that, Andrew, of a guy that was, like, there for a Royal Rumble cameo and then got, like, the tryout as a producer, and he ends up being this main event mouthpiece for your heel champion. And I I seriously think a lot of people are going to look at this run of MVPs as his most significant, and it wasn't an in-ring one. Man, MVP deserves a abundance of credit because like I, he, he he i think he's been working on a you know like messed up ligaments in his knee he like opted not to have surgery like and i'm assuming that was just to stick around with lashley so lashley would so he wouldn't have to be away and then lashley wouldn't be on his own and then you know maybe have some there might be some might have been some holes in that title run and mvp had to be away for a couple of weeks or a month or so like he legitimately changed bobby lashley and made him a threat like his character threat like mvp he deserves so much credit man for the way that this title win is gone and um just, just i know we gotta uh get out of here before we wrap up man but like i just want to say again i am very very like that wwe they they get so much stuff wrong like it's it's like it's like comedic like type of like wrong like the stuff that they do like it's it's, it's starting to become funny at this point but with this one like they 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 do know how to make moments and i'm just i'm, I'm happy to see that biggie get this big moment man like there are a lot of black wrestling fans like myself who sometimes feel sort of underserved with some of the mainstream products and to see someone who looks like me get this big moment this big crowning moment after years of sort of making his way up and being built up and people saying that he should be in this title pitch and then not really getting an opportunity and then now he's like finally here it's always a cool thing to see but like i think now at the point it's like like i said a couple times Build off of this, man. Treat him with the same reverence that you treat your other world champion and make it a great run. And, you know, that like <laughs> even Marie and Dewdrop and, and, and the dolls and all that stuff, like that's <laughs> that, that's going to be raw. But just make sure you pro- properly position Big E, man, as the as the champion that he that he really is. That's that's really cool to hear, uh, especially from from your perspective, Andrew. And it's it's my hope that. You know, we just put out the latest NWA podcast that I hope next yeah. month, I hope you guys are all sitting down and it's talking about how awesome this has been <laughs> because four weeks is a long time in wrestling, Andrew. So let it us, definitely uh, is. we will see. We're oh, going to yeah, wrap up real, yes. real quick. Let me just say this. Let me just say this. Cause I, I'll, I'll like, we'll, we'll get a lot of chance to do a podcast together, a lot of podcasts together. I just want to tell you much love to you. Always support me. You were both you and way and everybody at post. Y'all show me so much love. It makes me feel good. It really does. Like I'm, I'm not like this super emotional person, but y'all, y'all make a brother feel good with all this support that y'all give me. It's like very appreciated. Like even when the um stuff with the the uh, the, uh, the Chris Hero tweet, like I saw so many of you guys from post that was like just this abundance of like support and like y'all just pushing me forward, man. Y'all be making me seem like the biggest deal. <laughs> or or earth so I, I greatly appreciate all of y'all uh you and john john you and way nate all y'all man for supporting me and for showing me love and sort of positioning me as like the, the quote unquote youngest in charge which is hilarious but yeah man i, I just wanted to thank 
every single last one of y'all for there yeah, for the support, man. It, it it means a great deal. Like y'all really don't know how much just some kind words are due to a person, and even me in general or anybody. So yeah, I just want to say thank you to y'all and uh yeah, I appreciate everybody. Well, one one correction. You are a big deal, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Uh we're just gonna uh quickly uh look at the schedule this week. So Tuesday, we are gonna be dropping a new rewind away where Way and I We'll be going back to April of 2004, the April 15th edition of SmackDown that year. Uh, Andrew, I believe that you would have been roughly uh, eight years old at this time. Indeed. I'm guessing. Indeed. Oh, my Correct. goodness. <laughs> this SmackDown was headlined by the big show throwing Kurt Angle off a ledge and going off the air with the assumption that he had killed the man. So that is what we are reviewing. Classic SmackDown from 2004. Uh, Tuesday night as well, Braden and Davey will be live at twitch.tv slash upnextpodcast to dissect the entire NXT 2.0 relaunch that is happening Tuesday night. And we'll be discussing a new NXT champion. Wednesday night, John Cena will be joining me for Rewind to Dynamite. We will be live at 10.15 Eastern for Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso Patrons. Shot in the Dark is dropping that day. Say John Cena. <laughs> uh, I called John Cena, uh, oh, but then okay. John Cena okay. called me, and I had to make a pick, so I went with John Cena. I said, you know what, Cena? Take a number, okay? Uh, Dynamite's a very important show. So Thursday, the lineup just gets stronger, folks. WH Park will be joined by both Scrump and Stank from the PWT cast. Hey. Uh, Andrew Thompson, a veteran of the PWT cast. Indeed, Indeed I am. Stank, the illustrator, the designer of the best-selling shirt in pro wrestling tees history. The, the, the CM Punk. Man, That's right. Not, knocking, knocking the merchandise out, man. Oh, my yes. goodness. Yes. Maybe, maybe they can do an alternate uh, review of what if. What if CM Punk had signed with WWE instead? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, then Friday night, Kate from Montreal is with me for Rewind to SmackDown. And then we go into the weekend, and it is the launch of the G1 which means two bonus shows. Saturday and Sunday, we will be dropping reviews from the two Osaka cards. Those are available for Post Wrestling Cafe members. If you join now, you'll get shows covering every single G1 show over the next month. And Sunday's G1 show will feature the return of Wei Ting, who is on his honeymoon as we speak, a well-deserved week off. So uh, I hope Wei is not listening to this. I hope he is getting uh, drunk on the beach and not thinking <laughs> about any professional wrestling uh, this week. Uh, but Andrew, I want to thank you so much uh, for filling in and we definitely have to do more shows together. This was a lot of fun to chat with you. Uh, we don't get to do a whole lot of shows, but it's a lot of fun uh, doing them with you. I appreciate you uh, inviting me on man. And uh, it's been a, it's been a pleasure. What would you like to plug? What is out there? The NWA podcast just dropped on Sunday. I encourage everyone to go check that out. And uh, what else do you got going on, Andrew? Yeah, of course, everybody can go check out the written work over at the Post Wrestling site. We got a lot of good stories up there from John and myself. We out here killing it as usual, as we always do. And then uh, I got my interview up on the, uh, I, I, of course, I had an interview like John mentioned earlier with Roxy uh, on my YouTube channel. And it's a written, the written version is up on the Post Wrestling site. You guys can go check that out. Check out some of Roxy's comments. The new Ring of Honor Women's World Champion. Congratulations yeah, to her. A, a lot of people are going to be trying to get Roxy now. Oh, Andrew. Yeah. Got yeah. her last week. It's like the guy had his crystal ball ready for this pay-per-view. Very, very, very strategic plan about me. I did that all on purpose. Best believe it. But yeah, uh, yeah, man. Uh, again, th- thank you guys for, for all the support. Appreciate you, John, for having me. And I'm looking forward to the next podcast. Uh, and of course, you and John Cena. John Cena. 
will be live on Wednesday for Rewind the Dynamite as we head into uh, Grand Slam, which I will predict, predicting this now, we will get Adam Cole and the Young Bucks versus Brian Danielson and Jurassic Express. Remember I said this. Okay, six man. That's your prediction for Arthur Ashe Stadium. There we go. Yes. All right. Well, it's going to be a very big show next week. Uh, lots to come. Keep it locked. Postwrestling.com. Give the man a follow. He is double underscore himself, <laughs> Mr. Andrew Thompson, uh, for joining me. Thank you to everyone who stayed up late listening live, and we'll be back later on this week.